are listening to the American Truth Project podcast. Like other people, we are not democratic. So whoever talks about Islam is democratic, they don't understand. Democratic means like we all sit here together and we talk about something and we say we vote. So the majority what? In democracy, the majority wins. Is that correct? So what could happen in a democracy is somebody could fix the vote. Somebody could set the whole situation up where in a democracy, the majority of the people could vote what is wrong. So whoever wants to follow democracy, democracy against the very principles of Islam. Well, that was something, wasn't it? Followers of American Truth Project know that our second key issue is homegrown terror. Today, we will address it from a political viewpoint. The war against the freedoms and guarantees of our unique and so treasured American Constitution has come to America's shores, as you know. Ignoring or minimizing this threat has allowed the cancer of radical Islam to take hold throughout the American homeland. But that is not a new problem. In 1786, future presidents John Adams and Thomas Jefferson met with Arab diplomats from Tunisia who were conducting terror raids and piracy against American ships. You know, the Barbary pirates. Writing to John Jay, Thomas Jefferson at the time described what he saw as the main issue and the reason why they were attacking Americans who had done them no harm. The following quote is from Jefferson. We took the liberty to make some inquiries concerning the grounds of their pretensions to make war upon a nation who had done them no injury and had observed that we considered all mankind as our friends who had done us no wrong nor had given us any provocation. The ambassador answered that Islam was founded on the laws of the Prophet, that it was written in their Quran that all nations who should not have answered their authority were sinners, that it was their right and duty to make war upon them wherever they could be found and to make them slaves of all that they could take as prisoners, and that every Muslim, Muslim who should be slain in battle was sure to go to paradise. Unquote. Dick Morris, the former senior advisor to both President Clinton and later Hillary Clinton, on Jefferson. America had a tradition of religious tolerance. In fact, Jefferson, Jefferson himself had authored the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom. But fundamentalist Islam was like no other religion the world had ever seen. Our Constitution and Islam are not compatible. A religion based on supremacy, whose holy book not only condoned but mandated violence against unbelievers, was unacceptable to Jefferson. His greatest fear was that someday this brand of Islam would return and pose an even greater threat to the United States. Well, nearly two and a half centuries after Jefferson's research into the compatibility of Islam and the American Constitution, we are still needing to answer the question. Today's live guest will help get a handle on it from a scholar's perspective. And now we've got the expert of the century to teach us about the differences between being an American and maybe being a Muslim. It's a weird question, isn't it? Are they compatible? Can you follow the Quran and follow the American Constitution? Our guest today knows the answers to that and a lot more. I am very pleased to welcome on the show, Inaz Annie Cyrus. You may know her as the most famous escapee from Sharia. She was sold as a child bride in Iran as a young girl, 
was tortured, finally escaped through Turkey, made her way to the United States. She's a very proud American citizen and is known throughout the Western world as one of the most prominent speakers and educators literally on the subject of Sharia and how to survive coming from that kind of background. Annie, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you, my friend. Oh, it is so good to be back. Thanks for having me. So let's educate everybody out there. Uh, we want to teach them uh, not only about Sharia, as you've often taught me and others, it's not Sharia law, that's sort of redundant. Sharia is the law that a Muslim follows uh, if they are observant and within the faith. So we'll call it the proper term, which is Sharia. Is it possible for a Muslim under Sharia to be an American who follows the Constitution and Sharia? That's what we want to talk about today. So let's start with, is a Muslim, a true Muslim who is uh, a believer, capable of following the United States Constitution as well? Well, technically, they are. However, if it comes to where the Constitution might order them to disobey Allah or Muhammad, then they're not allowed to do that. And this isn't just some ruling of a Mufti. Now, it's Muhammad himself on, Abu and on Hadith of Al-Bukhari said that it's every Muslim man's duty to obey the law of the land unless it orders you to disobey Allah. That's when you will break the law and obey Allah. So Constitution of America, 99% is pretty much against what Allah ordered. So by definition, they could, but our Constitution isn't compatible with their Sharia. So in action, they cannot do it. So I, I think what you just said, if there's a conflict between what the Constitution guarantees to American citizens, um, rights and privileges and duties, and what is uh, actually um, instructed under Sharia, if there's a choice, the choice must go towards Sharia. Exactly that, yes. So they have to they have to uphold Sharia over any land any law of the land basically. So can a Muslim decide not to follow Sharia? No. If a Muslim decide not to obey Sharia or follow Sharia, they will be known as non-Muslims and they will be punished by death. Again, it goes back to Quran where in 91 verses Allah said Muhammad is a perfect example of a man and you shall, it doesn't say you could, it say you shall follow his footsteps. So if they decide not to follow Muhammad's footsteps, then they're not the believers and they should be punished by death. So can a Muslim choose to follow the constitution instead of Sharia, for example, a belief that a woman is equal to a man is certainly in contradiction to Sharia, correct? Oh boy, if a Muslim man ever decide to obey our constitution and consider their wife, mother, sister, daughter equals themselves, they are literally overriding a full chapter of Quran being chapter four, the woman. Under Sharia, a woman is considered and should consider a half of a man. There is no way around it. So right, they can't do it. So going back to what you said, literally any violation of Sharia in regards to some of these 
um, dictates is punishable by death should a Muslim uh, adherent choose the constitutional way instead of the Sharia way? Pretty much, yes. And now, it, technically, in countries like America, they still get away with it because they have the constitution to hide behind it. But in Islamic countries that the constitution is Sharia, without a doubt you're going to face death penalty if you disobey any of the orders. So this is what our viewers are now thinking. I'm certainly thinking it. How can someone running for office in the United States take an, up, an oath to uphold uh, the Constitution of the United States when they're sworn into office and at the same time have their hand on the Quran proclaiming themselves to be a believer. How can they do both? I will start by example of uh, the Book of Islam Quran. If you go to chapter 6 and read verses 114 through 116 it will say that why would you trust anyone but Allah to be the rule maker and the judge. They are swearing to uphold the constitution of Islam, the Quran, the book that they're swearing on, and they're using what's known as taqiyah, the deceive, which allows them within Quran, within the Hadith, within the Sunnah, to tell people they are more than happy to not obey Sharia until they get in power. When they do so, that's the moment of picking between the judgment of Allah and judgment of the man. And when it comes down to it, they will go ahead and uphold Sharia. So to answer your question, they cannot do it. The reason they are doing it is the whole trick of Islamization. They have to get in power in order to basically overthrow our constitution, burn down our country and turn it into Islamic country. So that's the whole process they're using. At the end of the day, they're not lying. They are making a promise. They are swearing to uphold the constitution that they're holding in their hand, which is their Quran. How is it possible that nobody knows what you're telling us? What you've said today is a believing Muslim cannot follow the Constitution if the Constitution is in conflict with Sharia. Why doesn't everybody know this? I'm going to give you two different answers. Let's, let me first answer you from Quranic version of it. If you open the Quran and read chapter 47 verse 35, it says, and do not ask for peace when you are superior in the land. They're not superior yet. So they will cover it up and they will hide it based on Quranic verses until they're big enough in numbers to start a war. That's number one. If we look at it as human point of view, our mainstream media is extremely good at over um, sugarcoating everything that goes down in our country. So every time something has to do something with Islamization, they come out and make sure to mention this has nothing to do with Islam. That will automatically give the idea to average American to think, well, it doesn't have anything to do with Islam. And then when some of them decide to go and read the Quran or listen to people like me and you, Barry, they will face what's known as calling them name, making them feel uncomfortable so they would have stopped doing it. They will be labeled Islamophobe, they will be labeled racist, they will be labeled everything. And one of the best, okay, I say one of the beautiful values we have in America is to be good people and nice to our neighbors. That is the biggest problem 
we unfortunately need to stop thinking that way and not worry about what they call us, but rather how we feel about standing up and protecting our freedom and our constitution. Revolutionary thought that is going to be very unsettling to some people when they hear this commentary from you. Thank you, Annie Cyrus. We sure appreciate you and we'll have you back soon. Thanks again to Annie for coming on with us. Coming up in segment two today, we're going to show you some of the Muslim candidates on ballots this year all across America. They're running for office literally everywhere from local and state offices to the United States House of Representatives and the Senate as well. And we're going to introduce you to several Muslims already serving in Congress and others in prominent positions of influence. Don't go away. We will be right back. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.